Education Trends is brought to you by our friends at BMO Education. BMO works with higher education institutions to develop and implement income-based finance programs on their campuses. Want help designing an ISA program? BMO has you covered. Check out the link in our show notes to learn more about how BMO partners with and designs ISAs for world-class higher education institutions. And now, on to education trends. Dr. Seturaman Panchanathan has a pretty big title as the Executive Vice President and Chief Research and Innovation Officer of Knowledge Enterprise Development at Arizona State University. But the job is actually pretty simple. It's to make sure the students of ASU are being served in the best way possible. And based on ASU's consistent placement at the top of the rankings when it comes to top research institutions in the U.S., it seems like Dr. Ponch is doing a pretty good job. At ASU, Dr. Ponch and the rest of the faculty help cultivate a knowledge enterprise, and they tap into the increasingly evident entrepreneurial spirit of their students. By utilizing the latest technology, ASU is a leading institution when it comes to preparing students for success, not just in the workforce, but as lifelong learners. We discuss all of that and more here. Thank you so much for for being on the podcast with me. Uh, Why don't you first introduce yourself, tell us who you are, where you work, and uh, what your role is. It's a delight to be here, Hillary. My name is Seturaman Panchanathan, and I'm the Executive Vice President and the Chief Research and Innovation Officer at Arizona State University. So tell me about yourself. Where did you come from? What is your education experience like? Who who are you outside of exactly what you do? <laughs> okay. So I grew up in South India and I did my undergraduate degrees first in uh, physics and then in electronics and communication engineering. I did my undergraduate degrees from the University of Madras and the Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore, India. I then did a master's at the Indian Institute of Technology in Madras, now called Chennai, in electrical engineering. Went on to University of Ottawa, Canada to do my PhD in electrical computer engineering. Was a faculty member there for several years and then moved to Arizona State University about 22 years ago as a professor in computer science and engineering. Did you always want to pursue education or did you want to pursue a field in like engineering or computer science? You had all these degrees that you were you were getting your you know proficiency in. Was that something you always wanted to teach or was that something you wanted to be a more practical skill? So I think I wanted it to be both because I find that the best way of teaching is by doing. And therefore, mm-hmm. as an engineer, I feel that, you know, myself practicing what it means to be an engineer, most certainly then puts me in a position to be able to inspire students to be able to think about engineering in the way that we want them to sort of perceive and pursue engineering. And for Mm -hmm. example, for me, the educational interest stems from the fact that my dad was a professor himself in electronics engineering. And so having seen him and how he helped inspire generations of students who still remember him, and, the, and what he did to the institution at large. And all of that made a huge impact on me. You know, I saw that, how his hard work, his focus on excellence, all of that made a huge impact. And essentially, I think I was motivated already to take this path. And so you started teaching. What did you love about educating? And, and why did you want to make it you know, you've been doing it now for, like you said, more than 20 years just at ASU, and you were doing it before then too. So what 
made you fall in love with it as a as a career? Oh, it's, I mean, uh, the first thing I will tell you, the fact that you are seeing young minds every day of your life, can you imagine any better job than that? You are touched by youth every day and youth who are so motivated to want to pursue amazing, uh, you know, degrees and programs and want to do, you know, amazing things to prepare themselves for their future, not just their career. And to be surrounded by such talent around you all the time is really a gift. And so I view, therefore, this as a blessing, being able to come and be around such students in the universities that I have served, both at the University of Ottawa as well as Arizona State University. And then you get to see, in a sense, a reflection of yourself in all of these students. You know, you look at how you were as a student, wanting to make a difference, wanting your professors to inspire you, motivate you, encourage you, drive you, and sometimes challenge you. And by doing that, I found how they got the best out of me, how they mm -hmm. made me much better than when I entered the university as I left the university, and what impact they had even after I left the university. Let me give you an example. My PhD mentor taught me the values of how to do independent work, how to do creative work, how to work across disciplines and solve real problems for humanity. Today, when I look at all that I do, I see that the infection that I got from him, you know, has only expressed itself in a broader way. I'm hoping that it has the impact that he desired for himself, and I'm sure expected that his students will have similar impact. And so I'm hoping that I would be able to hopefully do the same in some small way to the students that enter this university. I mean, like you said, you've been at ASU now for 22 years and you've got a pretty interesting title. You've done a lot of things. Tell me about what it is exactly that you do. What is, what is your main job and what kind of goes into your day to day and making ASU kind of the institution that it is? That's a wonderful question. So my job is to basically be of service to faculty and students at the macro level, mm -hmm. right? So the kinds of roles that I play at the university is, first of all, I'm a professor of computer science and engineering. Therefore, I you know, mentor students. I have my own research program. I you know, essentially teach students through the independent study courses that they do with me. And I interact with students both master's, doctoral, undergraduate students, and sometimes high school students too that work in my laboratory called the Center for Cognitive Ubiquitous Computing where we design technologies and devices for assisting individuals with disabilities. And then in the role that I have as the leader of the institution, I am an executive vice president responsible for research, entrepreneurship, innovation, economic development, strategic partnerships, and global development. What I mean by these roles is that, that I ha have the ability and the choice to work with faculty and students to be able to get them to realize their dreams. You know, like imagine a student who wants to be an entrepreneur. How might you provide the right environment student to express their entrepreneurial mindset and skills? If it's a faculty member who wants to engage in creative research, how might be, uh, I be of service? to be able to give them the right environment to pursue their creative ideas and therefore garner the 
partnerships that they need inside the university, outside the university to further cultivate their ideas, expand their ideas, and then be then able to apply for funding to parlay their ideas out there in a competitive venue and then secure the funding and then build those ideas. And in that process, they then involve students and postdoctoral fellows, students at all levels, from high school, from, from undergraduate degree, from broke uh, programs and master's degree programs and doctoral degree programs, and bringing them all together, working as a team and building these ideas into reality. Then some of those faculty members then would want to take those outcomes from their research and want to start up a company maybe, or maybe then license the technologies to a company so that the company may benefit from the work that is happening at the university. And then through all of this, how might you then help the economic development aspirations of the region? You know, how do we get companies to get attracted to move here from other parts of the country and other parts of the globe? Because they find a nice ecosystem here for them to get the right talent and right ideas and so on. And then how do we get existing companies here to expand and, and prosper? And so how do we then impact the cities that are there in the metropolitan Phoenix area in the state of Arizona and across the nation to be able to benefit by this amazing economic engine, namely Arizona State University. So you get to do all of these things. That's the kind of work that I do day in and day out. So if you ask me, you know, how, does, how do I spend my day? I would, I would chunk it up into two, four quarters, let us say, not exactly every day, but on an average. Uh, one quarter of the time I spend in terms of, you know, how do I help my students in my lab to be successful? How can I be as a faculty member, hopefully inspiring students to do their best? At the same time, how do I then help faculty members and other students to be successful? And other quarter of my time, I see how I might build an enterprise here that is of service to faculty, students in the community, so they might all be successful in what they are trying to do. The third quarter of my time is how do we welcome visitors from across the globe to come and know about Arizona State University and how it is the most innovative university in the United States, per the US News and World Report. What does it really mean? Like the question that we are having, you're having to me, how can they experience Arizona State University's energy and excellence by immersing themselves mm -hmm. here? And the last quarter is, how do I spend time going around the country, around the globe, around the state, talking about Arizona State University and what it stands for and what has it accomplished, what it aspires to accomplish, and also serving on entities like the National Science Board, which allows me to then contribute to the nation's scientific progress and technological progress and other kinds of venues like that in several boards to be able to you know, provide my expertise and be of service to the nation. So tell me a little bit about how you've been able to do that at ASU specifically. And I'm talking about one of, uh, I think, the really cool things you have going on at ASU called the Knowledge Enterprise. What is the Knowledge Enterprise? How does it set ASU apart? And what do students get from something like that? Yeah. If you come to a university, a university essentially is uh, you know, made up of people, ideas, and the things that we produce. So that's knowledge, knowledge in all its form. And that's what a university is all about. An enterprise is the mindset that we possess. Now, while we may be a public university committed to serving the public, the socioeconomic demographic of the state and the nation, we welcome students from the entire socioeconomic demographic to come to the university who are qualified to enter the university and then provide them the environment for them to be successful. 
and be amazing thought leaders and contributors to the economy as well as to their own well-being. And so that's something that the knowledge enterprise aspires to do. And the enterprise mindset is, while we are a public university committed to that, how do we then advance this enterprise in the university by not only relying on the investments from our state and through the public investments, but most importantly, securing investments for the ideas and the fact that we're delivering value to the community, to the state and the nation, and thereby getting investments from several other sources. So today, for example, our budget would be $3.4 billion at the university. $300 million of that comes from our state as a public investment. So as you can imagine, that's about 9 to 10% of our budget. But then the rest mm -hmm. of it are investments made by people, individual philanthropy or foundations or research grants from agencies, corporates, you know, of course, tuition being a revenue stream for, for students who are getting the, the education from the university and a host of other kinds of investments that is made in the university because we produce the outcomes that the specific constituencies do get from the universities and therefore they feel compelled to invest. And so that is because of an enterprise mindset. We are not limited by what the public investment can do only, as important as it is, but we look at how we define our future by parlaying the ideas and impact and the outcomes that people seek and therefore that they are compelled to invest in the university. So what are people and students getting out of the knowledge enterprise? Like what has come out? What success stories have you seen happen because of this kind of idea and this method and this, I guess, mindset that you put forward at ASU? Several. So let's talk about, in the first, the students. The students get mm -hmm. the experience of working in a world-class research institution that itself is entrepreneurial in its thinking, that itself is globally minded in its thinking, that itself is constantly innovating, and that itself is breaking down barriers so that people can work across disciplines seamlessly, committed to solving societal problems. So when a student mm -hmm. comes here, and then whatever major they may be pursuing, computer science or economics or policy or philosophy, that they are touched by this approach that the university is taking. And therefore, they also then become oriented that way. And therefore, they get fantastic jobs or they go on to then build their careers even more through you know, further educating themselves, either here or other parts of the country or beyond. And or they spin off their own companies. So there is significant number of companies that have birthed out of this, both student-based companies and faculty-based companies. So students get to experience that and also benefit from that. And then corporates then hire these students because they find them to be highly ready for what they are looking for in the workforce of the future. And so if you look at it, therefore, the student benefits by what they learn here, not only the skill set that they learn here, but the mindset that they get here by the process of going to the university. They get a university that helps them to succeed, no matter what their background is, as I said, socioeconomic background might be. And sometimes even no matter you know how, how well they were prepared, we try to help them get fully prepared and then excel as they go out mm -hmm. of the university into the workforce. And so corporates benefit from that. And some, as I said, some students benefit by turning their ideas into entrepreneurial ventures. And some students then choose to go into public service. And that's what we want, is a broad cadre of leaders, thought leaders, doers, but then with one imperative 
that they are constantly equipping themselves for the future. It sounds amazing. And it sounds like you equip them with like such knowledge and such ideas and such opportunity that not many other people get elsewhere. And I think one of the one of the great things that you offer, you're always on the leading edge of research and the leading edge of tech and computers and computer science. And like you said before, you had a degree in computer science and engineering. And I want to know your thoughts on that field of study, how it's evolved and how it's changing education as a whole. I think computer science is, um, you know, uh, I would say that if if, if any time in the last 30, 40 years, all of us know that computer science has had a huge impact in everyday li- living and everyday life. In terms of everything that we do, you can always you know, trace back to something that is touched by computing in either device form, technology form, or what you see in the environment. And every application that you encounter, be it, you know, I just flew in from, Oklahoma, uh, from uh, New Orleans today. I mean, you look at the just the process of me getting from my hotel to the airport, and then checking in, flying, then going home in my in my Tesla car, and then and coming into work. All of that. I mean, if if I look at the number of computer science, computing related, you know, activities there, pretty much everything, right? Everything. And so, so here we are. I mean, with, with what we have been able to achieve through computing today. But the future is even more exciting. We all know that you know there's a lot of talk about AI, machine learning. And you know automation permeating everywhere. That's all true, but it also you know is a great opportunity now for the convergence of not just technology, but computer science now blending itself with anthropology, computer science blending itself with psychology, computer science blending itself with business and with economics, computer science blending itself with policy. I mean, I can go on and on and on because computing now becomes not just only a discipline, but it almost becomes a thread of activity that you almost feel that that computing is a language, like a literacy that you need to have, like you have language literacy, computer science become a literacy. And that's why you see a lot of coding camps in high schools now, right? In, in even secondary schools and middle schools. It's because of the fact that they feel that this language, if understood and learned and exercised, can benefit everybody, be it an artist or a historian or a librarian or an economist, a social scientist, a philosopher, it doesn't matter who it is, they all find this language to be empowering and being able to make their discipline even more richer by the embedding of computing in their discipline. So computer science now gets to be very exciting because now it's poised to solve a lot more challenges for the future, but with this partnership of all the disciplines because it becomes this fundamental thread that sort of binds all the disciplines together or permeates all the disciplines. So isn't that an Mm -hmm. exciting future, right? For example, the work that I do is how does computing help people who are with disabilities able to function, you know, independently and be productive members of society? And what has happened with that is the learnings that we have had by deploying and designing technologies for individuals with disabilities to assist them is now actually opening our eyes to doing things for the general population because we take some things for granted. For example, when I work with visually impaired individuals, you know, we forget the fact that we too are visually impaired. 180 degrees of our field yeah. of vision, we don't have. We are visually impaired for 180 degrees of our field of vision or we're visually impaired at night or we get progressively visually impaired as we age. 
So one could look at how then when you design device to overcome a disability, now becomes not only empowering for the individuals with disability, but it also becomes empowering for everyone. And that's truly an exciting thing. That's why I believe that through that experience, I've learned that computer science, therefore, has the potential to unleash innovations and solutions that we may not even know about today because we are taking on some tough problems and also working in teams with other disciplines. And therefore, we can find creative solutions that can have significant and broad impact. It's incredible the work that you're doing and what you're teaching your students, because I assume all of this goes into your lessons. And I'm curious about how you've seen students grow and change in your time as somebody who's been in higher education. When you started however many years ago, more than 20 years ago now, what was it like? What was the difference between how students learned then versus how they learn now? You're talking about every discipline is connected. How how recent is that and how do you see it continuing to change? So it is an evolving picture, as you can imagine. You know, uh, more and more universities are looking at you know, how we might provide the opportunities for students to major in multiple disciplines or doing majors and minors in multiple disciplines or have courses that, and this has been uh, always there, you know, uh, sort of preparation in the fundamental liberal arts, which is very, very, very important for the students. It's always been there, but now we are putting an extra level of emphasis on that and opening up the university for students to be able to experience that. And um, that's something that has become more commonplace. And because of the fact that universities are engaged in solving problems for humanity, by the very nature of what the university does, touches the students that go through the university, and they get inspired and excited to do that. And therefore, that gives them a chance to do more of that. So when you talk about, you know, how I have, have I seen the change over the years, I find a lot more students now are wanting to exercise their entrepreneurial spirit. I don't mean necessarily starting companies, all of them but that they want their innovative ideas and creative ideas. That is something that they want to even express when they are in the university. They don't want to just sit in a classroom and do all the projects and assignments as important as they are, but they want to do something even more than that. And then technology has been a huge asset in this process. What has changed is when I used to teach classes, it used to be sage on a stage kind of a role that I had, you know, sitting in front of the, standing in front of the lectern and then delivering the lectures. Today, most of that content is available for people ahead of the class. And so the classroom becomes what used to be classwork and homework is almost now flipped, isn't it? So you used, mm -hmm. to, used to have the content delivered in the class and you used to go and solve problems at home. But now you learn things outside of the class because material is made available to you. In class, you solve problems. And so it's a good kind of a, a way of moving from one way of learning to you know, a different way of learning, which is more empowering and enriching. But that's all because we are able to blend technology into the curriculum. And so many, many of the courses now have become such that, that they are being designed and built you know, in online or in digital terms, such that students have a chance to view the lectures, view the content before the class and after the class. But the classroom becomes a place where they can actually work in teams and solve problems. They do, of course, learn things in the class still in terms of lectures and so on. But it's not all about just that. What do you think makes an ASU student a success? What, how would you define 
an ASU student and how is ASU helping them achieve the success that, that you want them to have? Basically, every student has got innate potential. And so first we should recognize that and then honor that and then provide the environment for that potential to manifest itself. So the responsibility of us as a university, me as a faculty member, to see how I can harness that that spirit that the student comes in with and see how I can let that spirit be exercised in ways that makes them very productive, feel very productive and uh, feel very challenged and feel very empowered and enriched. I use those terms again and again. So that when they leave the university, I find the ASU student is not only an expert in computer science, but then combine that with maybe policy as an expertise that they may get. Or they might have worked in a team with design students and business school students in solving a particular problem. So they have been touched by those disciplines, as well as that they have had a chance to build things in the university when they are here. And such that, and and experience things like working as an intern in a company or doing a service internship, actually making a difference either within Arizona or across the United States or even across the globe, doing global internships, things of that nature. So all of these things make the student at ASU feel very ready for not only the workforce of today, but the future of work for tomorrow. What do you think the future of work looks like? And in that sense, what does the future of ASU look like? I think the future of work to me is very exciting. I'm a very uh, optimistic person, as you can see. I believe having worked with technology and how it empowered individuals with disabilities, I do so feel that technology and people working together can do even greater things into the future. Therefore, for me, as people continue to evolve with technology, So learning, therefore, does not stop as you leave the university. In fact, learning just commences as you leave the university. It's a lifelong learning adventure and adventure. And therefore, at ASU, you know, President Crow has termed it the universal learner as a concept, which is that you learn through an okay to lifelong learning, right? And so as you're constantly learning and adapting, adjusting, evolving, then what happens is then you and technology then can produce outcomes that we cannot even imagine today. Because I've seen that in the last 15 years working with individuals with disabilities, that technology has empowered them, enabled them to become a lot more independent, productive, and how their daily life activities have been enriched by that, you know, symbiotic relationship between technology and the human. So I see the same future, a wonderful future where we're going to do amazing things and that we're going to use our creative spirit even more our artistic spirit even more, right? All of the things that we ever wanted to do, we are going to be able to find the time to do those things because technology is going to help us in terms of doing the things that we're doing today and offloading us of those things so that we might do those kinds of creative things. What current advances or changes to ASU are you implementing that you're excited about? What programs or or new initiatives are you running right now that you think are going to have a huge impact soon? Well, several. I mean, if you look at every discipline, you will find some, you know, facet of the discipline that is a new form of what the discipline has, has evolved into in addition to the core discipline itself. And for example, sustainability. Sustainability is a, is a discipline that we launched at ASU. It brings together you know, expertise from multiple disciplines working together to understand how we can look at the future of being a sustainable planet 
and as one example. So we have many, many such examples. You know, if you look at technology, how can AI and machine learning and, and robotics and human-centered computing can all uh, you know, help us think about the future of, uh, as we talked earlier, the future of work in a much more creative way? How can analytics, uh, we have a pro program on business analytics, how can data and analytics now determine how successful businesses can evolve? How can policy, if we have got a new school of future of innovation in society, how can policy not be an afterthought, but policy be part of the thinking of the development of products and devices and solutions? So there are many, many, many programs that has evolved in the university and we'll continue to keep advancing on that. That's a very, very exciting way of looking at the future of university and future of education. We recently launched something called Practice Labs at ASU, wherein the companies can come into the university and embed themselves and therefore get their employees to work with students here in the university to prepare them even better for their own companies and in general for the future of work. And uh, so this way, you know, the students don't have to do only internships for a couple of months in summer at the employer site. They, they can do it day in and day out with the employers and the employers then in turn get the benefit of the prototypes that the students develop and build. And in addition, they get well-trained students that they can deploy day one in the workforce and uh, get to test them. They get to make sure that's the kind of person that they want to have in their company. So it, it's a win-win situation at so many levels. Yeah, it sounds like ASU is is all about the hands-on and the experience and everything that's going to enhance a student's experience and, and enhance their success in the future. And I think it's really awesome what you guys are doing. All the way through the spectrum, you know, from basic fundamental work that our faculty do, basic research, fundamental research, applied translational research, as well as outcome-oriented research and solution-oriented research. We have faculty members, you know, doing all of the above. It's very cool. So we always end our interviews with a lightning round. Just a few quick questions, random kind of rapid fire. Are you ready for this? Uh, sure. F fire away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is one book that you've read lately that you loved? I've gone through a few books recently. One of the things that pertains to this conversation that we're having is a book, Higher Education and Silicon Valley, Connected but Conflicted. And uh, this is a book by um, you know Richard Scott and Michael Kirst. And, and some of their colleagues. So uh, that's a book that I enjoyed reading. And there are many such books that uh, in the recent past have given me a lot of thought in terms of how we frame, you know, what we do in the university and how can we do better. What about podcasts? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I listen to some. In, given, the, given the time, you know, I listen to some, but not, 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 not as frequently as I would like. Okay, what about music? Are you a music lover? I'm a music lover, absolutely. I love Indian devotional music. Okay. What about your favorite snack food or guilty pleasure kind of <laughs> thing to eat? Oh my God. Uh, you know, I, you, we won't have the time for the next hour to, for me to list everything, but I will start with chips. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I love chips. Awesome. What can I say? <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> um, so we got holiday season coming up. What is your favorite holiday or, or thing to do during the holidays? No, I love Thanksgiving a lot because it, it truly, and I'm a person who has a lot of gratitude for everything that I have received. I'm, I'm so grateful to everyone that has made such a huge impact in my life and continue to do so. So for me, Thanksgiving really represents that, that sense of gratitude that all of us, I think, should have more of, you know, for gratitude for our nation 
gratitude for in in my case for our st- for, for my state for my for my university and my colleagues and my students and how they provide me the environment that i'm i, I so very much enjoy coming to work every day gratitude to my family i mean um, unbelievable family that i have that give me so much love and support and every day i find that this is something that i thrive in so thanksgiving is a, is a, is a great holiday and how do i spend the, the thanksgiving what would i like to do spend time with the family that's the best way of honoring and also i take a moment to thank my the people that have made an impact in my life i remember them and thank them because that's something that you don't get a often a chance to do as much as you would like to do it so i take take an opportunity in that holiday time to do that in a conscious way that's awesome i love that and that leads me to the next question what inspires you coming to work it inspires <laughs> me to to do the things that i do i mean there is nothing that i find at work that is uh, that i feel is um in any sense draining me i i really truly get inspired by working with individuals who are you know with disabilities because whenever i see them and see what they do and how they overcome their obstacles then that makes me reflect upon the small things that i often find as challenges or uh, obstacles and i ask myself what was that about if anybody has the right to complain it would be the individuals who have some disability but they in turn do not complain but then try do their best to overcome and persevere and excel and so when i see that i'm just totally inspired so uh, coming to work say, being surrounded by uh, that sort of folks that constantly make me think deep and hard about what i do every day i think it's truly inspiring and finally what is either the best piece of advice you were ever given or one piece of advice you would like to leave our audience with you know i look at the three people that have made a huge impact or four people that have made a huge impact in my life let me start with my my mom my mom taught me the spirit of service selfless service she always did selfless service never expected anything in return and that all made a huge impact on me my dad not because he told me to be excellent by being excellent and being hard working taught me the the ethic of hard work and aspiring for excellence that's made a huge impact on me my spiritual teacher taught me how to help ever and hurt never always be positive and always be helpful and uh, so that that has made a huge impact on me and my, my children and my wife they constantly challenge me they never allow me to rest on my laurels they're constantly challenging me on many levels so that that has made made a huge impact on me i already talked about my phd mentor how he has uh, inspired me so uh, these are these are amazing things and i hope that i'm able to do what i have gotten from all of the people that have made a huge impact on me and that's what i hope that i'm able to do for my students for my children and my family and my community and if i do that and if some of them perceive me uh, as i perceive the people that have impacted me then i truly would have made a difference That's awesome. I love that so much and I'm really inspired by everything you said today. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you, Hilary. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to spend some time with you. 